Oh no, not again. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Charlotte. And welcome, welcome to, to Perf, Perf Damage. Damage, the weekly podcast hosted by a movie-obsessed husband and wife team who work in the film industry. We'll share stories of film production and restoration. We'll review and recommend. We'll examine the minutia of subgenres and even microgenres. And most importantly, we will tackle the art of the double feature. Just remember, all our opinions are our own and do not represent those of our employers. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Welcome to our very spooky edition. We seem to have a lot of spooky editions around here. Well, it is October. <laughs> it's Halloween season. It is. I'm just going to talk like this the entire time. Okay. Can you throw in a little Bronx accent in there too? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's October, which is also the month of our first date. Oh yeah. To get a little romantic here. Yeah. October 16th to be exact. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, it was your buddy's birthday. That's me getting points. Yeah, so we thought it's really hard to pick a topic in October because there's so many horror films. You love everything. You love a lot of really bloody, disgusting, disturbing things, too. Yep. That Absolutely. I can't really comment on it. I mean, if you want to talk, nah, we can discuss those. But we both love werewolf movies. We do. We love them so much that... We watched one on our first date. That is true. We watched a couple movies. We went to a haunted house. All kind of horror themed. Yeah. We saw the remake of John Carpenter's The Fog. Yep, we did. I asked you on that In date. In the theater. Yep. That yeah. You did ask me on that date. Yeah, I was bored. And then we went to the haunted house after that. Mm-hmm. And then we came home and we watched. Well, because you, while we were at the haunted house, you mentioned Phantom of the Paradise. Right. And I'd never seen that. And you dropped whatever you were holding. Yeah. Because it's one of, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Of, and all time. At the second I watched it, it became one of mine, too. Yeah. I think I sang every lyric to you <laughs> while we were watching it and I, obnoxiously. And I said, I can't wait for a year from now when I know all the lyrics to these songs and I can be singing with you. Yeah. It didn't even take a year. I don't think not so. Not even close. Yeah. So we watched that, but we also watched Silver Bullet. Yeah, because you had never seen that one, right? It had been a while. Or it had been a long time. Yeah, yeah. So we watched Silver Bullet. So Mm -hmm. we thought, well, that's a topic we love. Love werewolves. Let's just draw on films from our first date. Why not? You got to pick a topic somehow. Yeah, so that's the long way to get to our topic. Which is werewolves. Werewolves. And we're not going to talk about 1941's The Wolfman No. I think that's been talked about enough. A lot of this stuff's been talked about, but we're not even really going to rate top 10 or whatever. We're just going to share some of our faves. Yeah, I think probably three of our faves. All right, yeah. Not necessarily all of our favorites, because I love so many more than this. I tried to pick more obscure ones that maybe people wouldn't know. That was my rationale behind my choices. Uh, I just picked ones that I really liked. (laughs) We also, we have a favorite werewolf pick from one of our dogs. Both of our dogs really like werewolf movies, but there is one werewolf movie in particular that they lose their flipping minds. So we'll also have their favorite pick for their favorite werewolf film. Yeah, they're experts too, so they think that their pick is better than ours. Well, maybe it is. All right, well, stay tuned. Adam, on the subject of werewolves, hit us with one of your faves. Well, I'm going to cheat right off the bat. I put mine in chronological order. So this one is a group of films. I bet if I asked you the question, who is the reigning king of the werewolf movie, what would your answer be? So what do you mean specifically by that? Who's played a werewolf more times than anyone else? Lon Chaney Jr. See, I think most people would say Lon Chaney Jr. Well, 
Lon Chaney Jr. has only played a werewolf seven times, and that includes an episode of Route 66, the television show. Okay, so we got six features. So six features, one episode of a television show. Okay. That is dwarfed by Paul Nashi. Who? Paul Nashi was born Jacinto Molina Alvarez during the Spanish Civil War and became known as Paul Nashi when he became an actor, writer, and director. So, Paul Nashi is the reigning king of werewolf cinema, playing a werewolf 16 times on screen. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. That is impressive. Are they werewolf movies that people have heard of? 12 of these appearances were as a character that he created, a Polish werewolf count named Waldemar Daninsky. And he a played him in... Polish tw- werewolf. Yes, a Polish count. Werewolf Shadow. The full moon gives power to the living dead. See vampires kill in their quest for blood. Blood, the essence of the living dead. See this film. If you dare. So this is a character that he created, and he played him 12 different times in films. All right. Yeah, he started in 1968 with Mark of the Wolfman and finished in 2004 with Tomb of the Werewolf. And that's where he retired the character. Wow. Impressive. It is impressive. These are during the time when Hammer films were popular. So very much in that gothic mode. Like the Christopher Lee, Dracula. castles and that kind of thing. He also played Frankenstein. He played Dracula, Igor, a mummy, several mad scientists. So he just pumped movies out during that time period. Good for him. Yeah. Very, very prolific. So that's my first pick. It's actually for his body of work. It's Paul (laughs) Nashy. I was wondering. You're like, where's the movie at? No, it's actually for Paul Nashy's body of work. All right. Yeah. Some other films other than the first and last film. He also did one called Werewolf versus Vampire Woman in 1971. And then followed that with Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf 1971. I have a question. Yeah. Have you seen any of these? Yeah, we own a couple of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're not ones that we go to often because I'm not much of a gothic period type person. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, it's fun to go back and kind of enjoy one of those older style films. I like like a good gothic melodrama. Yeah. It's good to watch a Hammer film every once in a while. Mm-hmm. He's no Christopher Lee. Nobody is. No, but he's a werewolf. A Polish werewolf. And not a Polish werewolf in Burbank. Is it? Was that the name of the movie? Or is it a Polish vampire in Burbank? I think it's a vampire shit. How about you? What's your first? That pick's just throwing me off. Well, I mean, it's kind of a cheaty pick. It kind of is. But, you know, I okay. mean, why didn't I'm you just, just saying... do Adam's movie something? Yeah, I'm just saying... Seek out a Paul Nashi film, especially one where he plays the Ninsky. Do you have one you recommend over the others? I like the first one, 1968. It's a good year. Mark of the Wolfman. All right. So check out Mark of the Wolfman. That one's good. He might even add it to the letterbox. Oh, yeah. The perfect damage I'm still letterbox. Which upda- I'm still updating. As in, I haven't updated a thing <laughs> since last week. I'm still working on it. Remember, Mara, I was like, you won't. I'm still working on hey, it. I just know you. Hey, I'm working on it. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Just like this podcast. All right. Well, my first pick is actually a movie. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Mine was actually 12 movies. (laughs) It was cheating. (laughs) We said three and you're throwing 12 for one. Yep. 12 for one. All right. You do what you got to do. My first pick is The Company of Wolves from 1984, Neil Jordan. And I know this is no surprise to you. I'm a big Neil Jordan fan. He did The Crying Game. He did... All kinds of good stuff. I don't want to say her name them all. No, oh, you use his name all. I was, I was going to sit I back and listen all. to them all. He did Brave. Do you remember that one? <laughs> Breakfast on Pluto. Yeah. Mona Lisa. What about Byzantium? Oh, Byzantium was actually quite good. Yeah. Different genre, though. It is. That's vampires. Remember, I tried to sneak into that screening of Byzantium. Yeah, with, and they uh, turned you away. Well, yeah, because the ID picture looked nothing like me because it was your coworker. Yeah, at AFM. <laughs> it was a male coworker who looks completely opposite of me. <laughs> Remember the guy stopped you? He goes, you are not a dude. Yeah. And you, he turned you around. He tried to take your badge and you're like, nope. At that point, I didn't know what to say. 
Well, it was true. You are not a dude. He had a point. Anyways. So, Company of Wolves, Neil Jordan, 1984, stars Angela Lansbury. To say stars, really. I was going to say, I, that's really stretching the word stars. It is, because she's sort of the narrator telling the... some of the fairy tales, not all of them. There's something I should tell you. Yes? But maybe you're too young. Tell me, Gran. Too young to understand. Oh, go on, Gran, tell me. But maybe no child is ever too young. A wolf may be more than he seems. He may come in many disguises. What's that? The wolf that ate your sister was hairy on the outside. But when she died, she went straight to heaven. The worst kind of wolves are hairy on the inside. And when they bite you, they drag you with them to hell. What do you mean, hairy on the inside? Like a furry coat? Hush now, foolish child. Listen. Once upon a time, there was a woman in the village. She married a traveling man. This film is a take on Little Red Riding Hood, plus some other stuff. It's a great little fairy tale that is not for kids. This is definitely an adult movie. It's not that kind of adult movie, though. It's not that kind of adult movie. (laughs) Thank you for the clarification. Let me read the synopsis. An adaptation of Angela Carter's fairy tales. Young Rosaline dreams of a village in the dark woods where Granny tells her cautionary tales in which innocent maidens are tempted by wolves who are hairy on the inside. As Rosaline grows into womanhood, will the wolves come for her, too? TRT, 95 minutes. Yeah, it's a tight movie. And the tagline, now is then, tis simple truth. Sweetest tongue has sharpest tooth. I like it. Yeah, a little rhyme. It is. Very whimsical, kind of like the movie through that fable. Yes, very, very much so. So the werewolf effects in this are all practical, which I'm a huge fan of in werewolf films when they're done practical. Because there's nothing like a good werewolf transformation well, it's, scene. Well, you talk about tropes. That's a trope of this genre. You have to have a transformation scene. Oh, absolutely. It was set forth in 1941. Where someone is transforming in front of someone else who is paralyzed in fear and only starts running when the transformation is complete <laughs> and the chase begins. I think that happened much later because in 1941, he was in bed and it happened to him, but... All I'm saying, it, for the last 50 years, that has been the trope. It has more impact when and, it's in front of somebody else and that's the werewolf, screaming. That's, yeah, that's when they're the most vulnerable. True. They're screaming, they're in pain. These transformations are not nice. <laughs> no, they're they not. look painful. They are painful. Yeah. So talk about transformations. This movie has a very unique transformation. It does. Prior to this movie, that no one had ever thought of a werewolf transformation in this way before. Yeah, the, the beast is... In a way, it's sort of fully formed within them already, the way that the transformation happens. And the first one, I think, is with Stephen Ray, who's also in this. He's a common player in the Neil Jordan playbook. Well, you said Neil Jordan, so everybody knew Stephen Ray. <laughs> Stephen Ray. He's yeah. an actor that's in a lot of his films. Almost he's, all of them. He's great. So he turns into a werewolf. It's on his wedding night, and the beast comes out. But the guy's mouth opens wide, screaming, and from out of this mouth comes a... Wolf mouth. Wolf snout. <laughs> yeah, wolf snout just comes right out of his mouth, and that's sort of how it all begins. And Yeah, it's like he's wearing a skin suit. Yeah, a people suit. A people suit, and he sheds it uh, mm-hmm. coming out through the mouth, like it's a skin that he's peeling off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very much in the vein of Little Red Riding Hood, where the wolf is in the granny's clothing, mm-hmm. taking off the granny's clothing, only the granny is Stephen Ray. The special makeup effects were done by a man named Christopher Tucker, who worked on Elephant Man. He worked on Zardoz. Oh, wow. Zardoz. He worked on High Spirits, another Neil Jordan film a couple years later. And he also worked on the Cantina sequence in a little movie called Star Wars. Yeah. So all the effects are practical in this one, and they're really incredible. There's another really great transformation scene that's at a Victorian wedding party mm-hmm. everybody's in everybody's in these big powdered wigs and yes. they have white faces with 
augmented rouge, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of really over both the men top. and women. Yep, and they all fancy kind of dress. look the same. They do. Yep, it's uh, sometimes hard to tell between the genders. And a pregnant woman walks in and she starts yelling at everybody at the table saying, I was good enough for you then, but I'm not good enough for you now. And they're all just kind of staring at her. Some are laughing, some are eating. And then she whips around and turns her back to them and looks at them in a mirror. And then that mirror cracks. And as soon as the mirror cracks, they all start transforming into werewolves. And it's all practical effects, not quite as intense as... The first one with Stephen Ray, but... No, the impact isn't the same. You uh, kind of see him transforming through that cracked mirror, too. Yeah. Like, it, she's ruined the the view that they have of themselves. And it's not the same kind. It's not like they're, they're shedding the skin. No, they're, they're not the same of, kind yeah. of wolves. I love how it's it really got this garish aspect of these wolf-like faces peeling off wigs. And, mm-hmm. and you have to mention that these are all the quadruped style of werewolf oh yeah that you know that's another thing with the werewolves here they walk on all fours they don't walk on two legs they're not bipedal they are quadrupeds quadrupeds and all the transformations are really kind of bloody and there's a lot of muscle that you see and stuff like that And when you think of that in a practical effect sense that had to be really hard to do to have the mechanics of that under two layers of skin to react differently. And what was the year on this? 1984. 84. So, okay. Well, we're talking, this is the height of practical effects. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Rob really... Bottin and all those guys are doing like their groundbreaking work at this point. Yeah. The 80s had some great practical effects, especially in genre films. But this is a great one. It's a fairy tale. There are stories within stories. It's hard to tell the dreams from the reality sometimes. Yeah, and Angela Lansbury is basically just like a framing device, right? She is, yeah. She has a really great line about, don't trust men whose eyebrows meet. (laughs) You've got a lot to learn, child. (laughs) Never stray from the path, never eat a windfall apple, and never trust a man whose eyebrows meet. (laughs) That line always stuck with me. Anytime I see someone with a bit of a unibrow, unibrow. I always think, are you a werewolf under there? What if you pluck it, though? What if you hide your unibrow? I mean, I do, so. So anyways, Company Wolves 1984, really good werewolf movie. Not necessarily one you need to watch during October. You could watch it any time of the year because of the fairy tale-ness. Well, I think most werewolf films can be watched at any time. At least in our house, they can. Well, they're an allegory for all kinds of bodily changes. Yeah, sexuality. Yeah, so it's, you know, kind of an anytime type of thing. Yeah. Puberty, mainly, and the id. Yep. Those are the two things they usually stand for. All right, Adam. So do you have an actual movie? I do. All right. So we're going to jump ahead a decade. To a fine straight-to-video gym. Oh, no. Called Project Metal Beast, 1995. (laughs) What even is that? This takes the genre and twists it on its head. So, Project Metal Beast was directed by Alessandro de Gattano. It's TRT is 92 minutes. It has this very short but impactful tagline, DNA Overload. And here is a long synopsis. In 1974, an unhinged CIA agent injects himself with werewolf blood, he found. After a killing spree, his body is put in suspended animation, then thawed out 20 years later by his crazy boss and a team of unsuspecting doctors. So, this is kind of a fun sci-fi take on werewolves and werewolf tropes. So, basically, the guys that are cryogenically frozen all have werewolf blood in them so they take them off ice and start experimenting on them putting the synthetic skin on them they turn into werewolves and then they start killing everybody in in the laboratory and the cool thing is it's addressing the frailties of werewolves the few things that they're usually affected by like silver bullets can no longer penetrate their skin because they have the new skin on them they're part metal they're metal beasts i have to warn you If you should use it on anyone, the body's immune system will treat it like an infection. The subject's blood will putrefy into a pus-like fluid. 
The body will swell up like a balloon. There'll be vomiting and fever, and the result will be a horrifying death. Well, that's not a very pretty picture, is it, Doctor? So, this is the best part. In order to beat a metal beast, you have to melt down silver dollars, turn them into bazooka shells, and fire the bazooka at the world. It's amazing. It's uh, straight to video, and yep. we can see why. So, you know, as far as being straight to video, this has some stars attached to it. Kim Delaney, the former teenage cover model turned actress who later became very famous in NYPD Blue. Barry Bostwick, who was in Rocky Horror Picture Show as Brad Majors, and later went on to uh, play the mayor in Spin City. So did he sing in Rocky Horror? He did. Do you want to sing? <laughs> I was trying to get you to sing. <laughs> And the Metal Beast is played by Kane Hodder, the guy who played Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, 7 through 9. Probably the most famous Jason. Yeah. The werewolf design in this is a lot of fun. It's big and bulky. It looks like kind of a professional wrestler. It's got big metal plates on its chest and on its arms. It also has this metal mohawk that kind of goes down the back. Instead of hair, it's all metal. It's kind of awesome looking. And Kane Hodder's like a big, stocky dude. I just picture it's like the members of KISS, but as werewolves. (laughs) Well, now you know why I like it, right? Yeah. So the creature was created by John Carl Buechler, the guy who directed Friday the 13th 7, and the guy who created the Ghoulies and was responsible for directing Troll 1. And we saw him at a Ralph's when we lived in the Valley. That was so funny because... You were sort of stalking that guy in the grocery store. I wasn't stalking him. I was just really excited. I was like, oh, Charlotte, you see who that is? Oh, gosh, that's John Carl Buechler. I don't know. He was looking at produce. We were going up you and down the aisles. We just kind of like met a couple times and passed each other. I never approached him. I left him to do his thing. I was more excited the time we saw Mr. T at the grocery store. Yeah, I Do loved, you remember that? I loved how we incognito were, he was. He, he had was wearing a, a fishing hat, hat. <laughs> and like a blue muumuu. But he still had like a chain on. Yeah. Well, and he's Mr. T. We're, we're going down an aisle. He's coming right at us. And we, we <laughs> go past him with our cart. We're pushing our cart. He's pushing his cart. Didn't make eye contact. And my eyes get wide because I'm like, that was Mr. T. And the lady behind him. She saw my reaction, and she just smiled and nodded. Oh, yeah. I think she was following him. I think she was. Yep. Same with Mr. T. Oh, yeah. We didn't. You don't bother these people. Let them be people. Well, sometimes you see them, and you think, do we work together? And then you realize, no, they have no clue who I am. (laughs) They're a famous. I am not. (laughs) Anyway, so back to Project Metal Beast. The poster for this. I thought we were done talking about it. No, we got a couple more things and then then we'll be done. The poster is a very 90s metal ripoff of the original Howling poster. There's like the claw marks. Yeah, the claw marks are coming Uh through, except for they up the ante this time. And it's a metal metal door that's being crumpled and ripped through. And you see the beast's eye, it's glowing red behind Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, and then the last thing I want to say was the director. Alessandro Di Gaetano went on to direct a movie called Butch Camp in 1996, the year after this. And Butch Camp is about a gay guy who goes to be readjusted to be more butch because he's tired of people picking on him at a camp. So kind of like the, but I'm a cheerleader. Yeah, but a lot more tasteless. Okay. So are you recommending that one? No, I just can't believe it exists. Okay. It's just one of those like, wow. Yep. Kind of like when you discovered who created the 3D. The You mean the Optimax 3? Yes, the Optimax 3. Yeah, the guy from the San Fernando Valley. He shops at the same Ralph's with Mr. T. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's Project Metal Beast. It's a fun, very tongue-in-cheek kind of ride. Lots of machine guns and metal-looking werewolves and rubbery costumes and bazookas. All right, Charlotte, what's your next one? Next one, a little bit more contemporary here. The 2014's Late Phases. Oh, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I knew you would. This is directed by Adrian Garcia Bagliano. It is 95 minutes long. 
The same runtime that the first one I picked was. We're on nice. a roll here. Nice. Yeah, and basically it is a blind man versus werewolf kind of plot. I love a blind man versus something bad. What was that movie? Don't Breathe? Remember where those kids break into the blind man's house to try to steal money out of the safe? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, was good. that was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Breathe Part 2? Not so yeah. much. No, that was you really can't bad. make that bad guy a good guy in the second movie. Oh, uh-uh, man, he was just bad. That was a bad dude. Bad dude. Yeah. Kind of badass, though. All right, so the synopsis for this. Ambrose McKinney, a cantankerous blind vet, moves into a retirement community only to learn that the residents there have been dying, not from old age, but from dog attacks. After surviving his own encounter with a canine one night, Ambrose comes to believe that the assailants are much more than mere dogs. This, it also has practical visual effects as far as the werewolf transformation is concerned. There's some digital stuff in there too, but there's a great transformation scene. I'm not sure if it's the first one or not, where it's done as if it's all one take. So this guy goes to a priest and he's like, help me, something's happening to me, blah, blah, blah. Starts transforming and... Of course, he drops down on his hands and knees. But Isn't that priest Tom Noonan, too? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But they shoot it like it's all one take. It's really well done. And the werewolves in this one are bipedal. So they stand on two legs, not four. Yeah, they have really mean-looking faces, too. And they, short snouts in this one. And really big ears. And they kind of look like Yorkshire Terriers, in a way. They kind of do. Like feral... Yorkshire Terriers. <laughs> I mean, like six foot giant, insane looking Yorkshire Terriers. Yeah. Like if your Yorkie got like the puppy cut and then. Like you can't call it a Yorkie anymore. Oh, uh, why not? I mean, no, I'm just saying a Yorkie sounds little. Right. These are bigs. These are well, like Yorkers. That's your <laughs> York Kongs. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Clint Eastwood moved into exactly. this. Exactly. It's blind Clint Eastwood. It's Gran Torino. Moves into a retirement community, and he's blind, and there's a werewolf. Go. That's this movie. That's what this movie is. You see a blind man fighting off werewolves with guns, with axes. You know what's funny, too, is that he actually really likes having this to do. Oh, yeah, because he's a veteran. Yep. And, and he, moved he into does this, and not want to move there. Yeah. yeah, he's bored. He's tired of the old ladies hitting on him all the time. Seems like such a nice place to live. People don't come to places like this to live. They come here to die. Can you make silver bullets? Yeah. Can you do silver shotgun shells? slow burn for, yeah, sure. for a while but i mean yeah. it really goes mm-hmm. the action's really good in it didn't they make a sequel i didn't think so yeah they shouldn't no like, i think, all of a sudden you I think it's perfect yeah what, what are you gonna get you're gonna get late phases two. my sister's uh, yorkie i love that anybody can fight off werewolves here you got a blind man fighting off werewolves silver bullet you've got or you've got a kid in a wheelchair fighting off werewolves yeah you also had gary Busey. Silver bullet. bullet. Yeah. As the crazy uncle. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so I recommend that one. Late phases 2014. Good one. Yeah. Got another one for us? I do. This is one I actually have a personal attachment to. Yeah. I'm going to preface this by saying this movie is not a great movie. It's Cursed 2005 by Wes Craven. It's not as bad as everybody remembers it. We went back and watched it not that long ago. It's worse. No, <laughs> no just kidding. Yeah, this one is TRT is 97 minutes, and the tagline is What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. And the synopsis is. In Los Angeles, siblings Ellie and Jimmy come across an accident on Mulholland Drive. As they try to help the woman caught in the wreckage, a ferocious creature attacks them, devouring the woman and scratching the terrified siblings. 
they slowly discover that the creature was a werewolf and that they have fallen victim to a deadly curse. Well, they could not have more aptly titled this film Cursed because this production was cursed from the very beginning. (laughs) So this was plagued by production problems and script issues. In fact, the movie was shut down when it was 90% shot and the script was completely rewritten. And then they reshot the film again. And after the reshoots, these actors were left on the cutting room floor. Now, get this. This is a whole list. Ileana Douglas, Heather Langenkamp, Scott Foley, Omar Epps, Robert Forrester, James Brolin, Corey Feldman, Skeet Ulrich, and Mandy Moore. I'm blaming Skeet Ulrich. He was supposed to be the third lead in the film. He was supposed to be Christina Ricci's boyfriend. When they rewrote it, they just got rid of him altogether. So all those people were hired, shot in the film, and left on the cutting room floor floor after it was rewritten. Were they just not available when they went to redo it? No, I think their characters were were either combined into other characters or thrown out altogether. Is there a reason why? They just, it was terrible, but it's such a great idea. We got to do this again. I don't necessarily think that's the case at all. Uh, This was one of those Harvey and Bob Weinstein want a medal in a movie. And this was the movie that they wanted to do it with. They were notorious for demanding reshoots and Mm -hmm. recuts and taking things away and recutting them and all that kind of stuff. So Wes Craven was going to do a movie called Pulse, that uh, remake of that movie Cairo, the Japanese horror film. Right. It did eventually get made, but Mm. he was on it initially. And it was a very different movie when he was on it. And he was about to shoot that. It was in pre-production. And then somebody made a decision somewhere. It kind of got put in turnaround. And so he didn't have a movie. So Bob from Dimension, Bob Weinstein, called him up and said, hey, why don't you come direct this werewolf movie we have? They had the script done. And we'll pay you twice what they were going to pay you on that film. And so he said, okay, sure, I'll come and do that. It was supposed to be 18 weeks of work. It ended up being two and a half years of his life. (laughs) So he got paid double, but he could have shot two and a half movies in that time period. This is insane. They initially hired Rick Baker to do all the special effects, Academy Award winner for another wonderful werewolf film, American Werewolf in London. One of the best. And absolutely deserved that Oscar because that transformation sequence is to this day astounding. Practical effects. So they hired the best in the biz. This guy's won Academy Awards at this point. And then they decided that they didn't like the way everything looked. So when they shut down and then they came back into production, they hired KMB, another really renowned group of guys. Mm -hmm. You know, Kurtzman, Nicotero, and Berger. They were some of the top dogs at the time. They weren't quite the level that they became KMB. So they shot the rest of the film with KMB doing effects. And then after they were done shooting, Bob and Harvey decided that they didn't like the way their stuff looked, so they cut most of that and then replaced it all with CGI that really doesn't hold up Mm -mm. at all. I don't think it held up then. Yeah, I think it was rushed. I agree. I think that we had seen CGI that was much better at that point. I remember when that trailer would play in theaters, people would laugh. The CGI, yeah. There were a few very effective scenes. The scene when Maya gets chased and the car park is really quite well done and the cgi is used well because you see the foot it's a bipedal werewolf in this one too and you see their the foot marks and it jumping off of cars and things like that which is kind of cool but uh, yeah for the most part it didn't work originally shot as a hard r this film was then cut down to a pg-13 which was also another mistake mistakes were made <laughs> lots of them yeah and its release was delayed for a year and a half basically After it was announced to come out, it got pushed and then pushed again. And so when it finally came out, everybody was like, oh, wow, it's finally coming out. This must be wonderful because they held it back. So it's Wes Craven. Well, they said Wes Craven's going to do what he did to the slasher genre with the werewolf genre. And so they oversold it right from the beginning. I think that was probably what they're trying to do is they felt the pressure to deliver on this. And it was a decent werewolf movie that then they just messed around with and messed around with until they should have wrote that check and walked away the only way you can break the curse is for the one who started it all to die and that's me i'm not ready to die just yet i can't let my brother live like this you know i have to think of him first i know 
And I bet you promised your parents that you'd give them a good life, didn't you? Do you know what, Ellie? You're really not doing a very good job, are you? In fact, you're kind of a disaster. Get away from me! All the actors that signed on, like Jesse Eisenberg and Christina Ricci, both said that the original script was much better than the ultimate result. Does that other cut, has anybody seen the footage? Does that exist? It does not. It was never complete cut, first of all. It was so not, they're not like trims? There are tons of trims somewhere. Or, well, it's Miramax, so it's been passed around from Dimension, studio. Yeah, but yes. It's been passed around from studio Miramax to studio. Library. Yep. So who knows? I think that the footage is probably with Spyglass, one of the major production companies that paid for it. Because I have a friend that works for a studio, and they have looked for that footage in the library of Dimension Films, and it's not there. Yeah, or it's just mislabeled. Or it could be mislabeled, yes, because, again, it has been passed around. That's what happens with libraries. It would take a really deep dive to actually find this. Yeah, people wonder, why can't this exist? And that goes back to something we've talked about before, the rights, especially Mm -hmm. on split-right titles that's been passed around. That means it might have gone there, it might be in this archive, and just transferring the not only the elements, but the data of what the elements are, especially think about you know, from the 90s to now, our sources for data are completely different. Apparently, there's a bootleg of an earlier cut they on VHS. Uh, no, there is. Someone did an analysis of it. This analysis exists. It was on a VHS that had been passed around. But as far as the actual footage, again, there is no original assembly cut, and the special effects were not finished. Right. So right. there is no long-lost cut for this. There, right. there would be deleted material, lots and lots of it. Right. Apparently, they shot enough for like two and a half movies. It ultimately would take a lot of time and expense to find it. And then again, once it's found, there's really no fiscal reason to put it all together because no one's ever going to make the amount of money they would need to back on it right? to make it happen, you know, yeah. all the time and effort. Might just be a fun project one day. Yeah, it would have to be someone that really loves it and has access. So it's one of those things. Anyway, so I have, I do have a story. I When I first moved out to L.A., I did some extra work. And one of the movies I got on was one of the reshoots of the finale to this film. I spent three days on set in what was originally in the original script, The Waxworks, which became the movie-themed club opening at the end of the film. Are you in the cut? I looked for myself recently. I don't think I made the final cut, but I'm... In black clothes, and I'm in the background somewhere. I didn't see myself, though. I was so looking- it's not like a Species 3 where you're Correct. clearly in yeah. the scene. It's not me in a football uniform pointing at somebody. With football guy. Right. Yeah. No. But yeah, I was on set. It was really fun to watch, especially practical special effects. And Greg Nicotero was so approachable. I had met him once before at a convention two weeks prior to getting on that project. And he remembered me. It was weird because... I was introduced through a friend of a friend, so it wasn't just some rando oh, walking some up to random him. Dude. Yeah, it wasn't just a rando. It was like a friend of a friend introduced, and we talked for maybe 10 minutes. We walked around the convention together, and after about 10 minutes, we parted ways because he had to go back to a panel or something like that. But then I run into him on set two or three weeks later, and he remembered me. He was super cool. I went up and asked him a whole bunch of questions and he was explaining all of the appliances and things like that. It was really, really, really cool. It was a really fun experience and I wanted the movie to be better than it was. Yeah. And the articulated head that they had on set was much cooler than the one that made it into the final film. So are you recommending the movie? As a curio, definitely. As a what could have been or something like that. You get some weird choices here, like things you sort of don't recommend. Hey, I mean, it's not a bad film. It's totally palatable film. It was better than I remembered. Yeah. But I think my expectations at the time were pretty high. It's interesting, too, because it's a lot of early work by a lot of actors that have now gone on to much bigger things. True. It's cool to see Michael Rosenbaum before Smallville, you know? Mm-hmm. He plays this total dick in the film. Uh, and it was great. It's just great to see these, hair. these people early. Yeah, and he had hair. It was crazy. So, yeah, that's uh, my final recommendation is Cursed. 2005. Uh- For multiple reasons. All right. Do you Uh, have your final pick, right? I do. My final is a recent one. It is from 2021 called Werewolves Within. Oh, yes. So good. Directed by Josh Rubin, who I'm a huge fan of his directorial work. Yeah, both of his movies so far have been wonderful. He had another one from 2020 called Scare Me. 
and it's basically just two people locked in a cabin telling scary stories. He's really good with the horror comedy, which is a mm-hmm. very hard genre to do well. Yeah, it's amazing how much energy that movie has, too, with just the two people in it for a very long time. Scare me. Scare me, yes. Yeah. So Werewolves Within is based on a video game. I knew that. I know. You know that. <laughs> but I don't know that they yeah. all know that. Well, it's not super apparent in the film at all. No, because we all have these preconceived notions of what a video game movie is going to be. And it's not that at all. And apparently the video game company just wrote the check and said, all right, you go do what you want. We're going to stand back and let you do your thing, which is what they should have done with Cursed. And the premise is the same thing. Yeah, it's... It's a a bunch of people in a locked room trying to figure out who the werewolf is, basically. Yeah, the tagline, a whodunit with teeth. That's a great tagline, actually. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, works on a lot of levels. So it's really more of a mystery than it is a werewolf film, in a way. The comedy with a lot of quirky characters. All kinds of quirky, Everybody in it stereotypical. is cool and weird in some way. It is 97 minutes long. Oh, yeah. Have you haven't read the synopsis yet either, have you? I have not. Go to town. I'm going. The synopsis. When a proposed pipeline creates hostilities between residents of a small town... A newly arrived forest ranger must keep the peace after a snowstorm confines the townspeople to an old lodge. But when a mysterious creature begins terrorizing the group, their worst tendencies and prejudices rise to the surface, and it is up to the ranger to keep the residents alive, both from each other and the monster which plagues them. This stars some really great people. The the main star, Sam Richardson, he was most recently in that show on Apple Plus After Party. Great so show. So much fun. Yeah, he Great played show. He played Anik. He's really good at nailing that sort of nerdy, sensitive guy character. And in this one, he plays the forest ranger. Who arrives new to town. <laughs> new to town. Kind of out of his element. But excited about his new job. Yeah. And sort of optimistic. Just- and he meets up with the postal worker, played by Milana Vintrube who most people know from the AT&T commercials. She's adorable. And she takes him under her wing, showing him around, telling him the who's who of the small town. Watch out for this person. Yeah, where everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And everybody knows everybody's business. Yeah, it's one of those towns. It's really got strong right vibes to it, just with the quirkiness, with the tropes that it plays with and makes fun of and... Again, it's a mystery that happens to have a werewolf. And well, the whole mystery is, who is the werewolf? And you really think that it could be anybody? Well, I think they lead you that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's red herrings pretty much Galore. on every character yeah. in this at some point. And there's every stereotypical kind of character. There's a really funny scene where uh, it's the first night I think they're all trapped in the lodge. And Sam Richardson's character, Mr. Forest Ranger, decides to take charge. Everyone Everyone, hey, can I have your attention, please? Between the power outages and the storm, the whole Emerson thing, uh, I think we can all agree that it's unsafe outside and there's safety in numbers. So maybe we... We stay here tonight. Yeah, I don't want to go out and get eight. Same. Janine, you got room. You can put us all up, can't you? No, it's just... Thank you so much, Some people would have to double up. Well, I mean... I think that'd be fine. All right, Cecily? Okay, slow down. Uh, out of curiosity, who is packing? I am, yes, sir, America. Shh. Well, we're packing, dog. Wow. I have Dave's hunting rifle, if that would be helpful. Oh, gosh. I almost forgot. Um, I got... Uh, it's teensy. It's just a little... Okay. It's a little... It's first gun. Excuse you. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I think we should keep a, a gun in every room, you know, just to be safe. Go, oh, hold up! This dude Emerson wants to come down off his mountain maniac ass and eat our asses and fuck our skulls. Guess what? It's not gonna happen tonight because pam pam, I'm up in this hit. Yeah, where my gun goes, I goes. Same. And I'm sleeping with my wife. Unless someone prefers that my gun stays in someone else's room. Cecily, do you have protection? Or? I'm good. Thank you. Uh. One more time. Raise your hand if you have a gun. It's tiny. It's it's purse gun. And uh, if you don't have a gun, no gun? Marcus got my gun. 
Well, we're having a good old-fashioned sleepover. With guns, though. With guns, yes. If you're into the horror comedy, I say make it a Josh Rubin double feature night. We actually did this last year. During the month of October, we show double features every week at our house. We have a big party. And that was a big hit. That that was a big hit. You weren't so sure about it, but I was very adamant about let's make this a Josh Rubin double feature Mm -hmm. because I love Scare Me. I thought Werewolves Within was fun. I was a little worried that Scare Me was going to lose people, but it didn't. They they all seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That might be my favorite of the two. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. This one has so many fun characters. It does. I've only seen it once, too. Yeah. You know, it's worth a rewatch. Absolutely. Highly recommend it. that. Yeah. Anyway, so Werewolves Within. Check it out. Check out Scare Me while you're at it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the final one. Oh, save, yes. Save the best for last. The dogs. Asta's recommendation. Okay. So we have two dogs. Asta and Ripley. Asta named for the, the thin, thin man. man. And Ripley named for not Ripley's, believe it or not. No. Nope. Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley of Alien. And aliens, alien too. And she's so a bruiser, I'm, just like Ellen Ripley. She's totally a bruiser. Yeah, she's tough, tough yeah, lady. She is. They love movies. So we should really do a whole episode on the movies that they love. Oh, for sure. U- upcoming, we will have a recommended by the dogs episode. Yeah, it's weird because sometimes it'll even be animated movies where there's animals, because of course animals like animals, but sometimes they don't even really look like animals. They're very artistically done Mm -hmm. and somehow they still know it's a dog yeah but they don't like the bipedals no they're they're not big into the biped werewolves at all kind of freaks them out but what do they love i'll tell you what they love they love 1981's the wolfen yes they do we split that movie into three nights because these fools giving me such a headache <laughs> from barking at the movie, just <laughs> flipping out and not just barking, but hopping up and down and then barking at each other and just going nuts. <laughs> and every time you put that movie on, they do the same thing. Also, that movie's almost two hours long, so. It is. It is the longest werewolf movie that we're recommending today, but of course it's the dog's recommendation. Well, they like it long like that because that means there's more time for the animals. Yeah. So this one, as you said, 1981, directed by Michael Wadley. <laughs> the synopsis, a city cop is assigned to resolve a bizarre set of violent murders where it appears that the victims were killed by animals. Spoiler alert, they were. Yeah, werewolves. In his pursuit, he learns of an Indian legend about wolf spirits. Yeah, I actually read this book. Stars Albert Fenney. Yes. Gregory freaking Hines. Oh, yes. Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan, double feature. Look at that. That in late phases. Yeah. Edward James Almost. Who has one of the most petrifying scenes in the entire movie. Remember, the guy is literally standing on top of one of the pylons on the Brooklyn Bridge. It's crazy. Got an appearance by Tom Waits. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy looks like a werewolf most of the time. He does. Talks like one, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if werewolves could talk. Can they talk? Generally? I mean, some of them do. Yeah, I guess some of them do. Just depends on the movie. Depends yeah. on the lore. So anyway, Wolfen. It's a interesting take. It's about these animals that have run around since prehistory, basically, as packs, shapeshifters. I mean, what is prehistory? Since before that was a city, they were occupying that area. They've been around longer than history has. Longer than man has counted days and created a calendar. That's how long they've been around. You know, speaking of calendars, that's where Silver Bullet, the whole genesis of that story came from. Stephen King was writing a text for some kind of a calendar and he got the idea for it. That's why it called. Cycle of the World. Yeah. Yeah, but then it ended up becoming a short story, which then was illustrated. Hey, man, I'm just bringing it full circle. By Bernie Wrightson. Bernie Wrightson, one of my favorite comic artists. All right, so I guess that's it for this week. Talking about some werewolf movies. Not all the best ones, just, you know. 
recommendations. Oh, I tried to ones. focus on lesser known ones. Mm-hmm. And you did too, you, you know? <laughs> yeah, Late Phases. I don't think a lot of people have seen that one. I don't know. If you haven't seen it, check it out. People that have come to our movie festival have seen that. Not really a festival. <laughs> our double features at our house. Yeah. They have seen it. They have. Yeah. The big deal. We weren't going to do those double features this year, and then the masses were complaining. All like five of them. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had people saying, why aren't you showing your double features this year? It was like we were taking away the Halloween spirit. We bowed to peer pressure. <laughs> so, it was so sad. All right. Let me get out all the decorations. Uh, and so if you're coming to that this week, I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy, no, it's fun. Enjoy our hard, hard work and tears. It's fun. It's great getting to see everybody. And blisters. And, and it's fun watching horror movies with people. Yeah. This week, Halloween ends. Yeah, Halloween ends and... Followed by the Mexican classic, Demonoid. We'll see if people 79 stay 79 minutes for Demonoid. Yeah, we'll see. Halloween I, I ends might, might end it. I mean, it probably end everybody there. Yeah, it might. It just might. We'll find out. All right, but thanks for joining us here on Spooky Edition. The very spooky edition. <sighs> oh, I forgot to talk like that most of the episode. Oh, man. All right, let's re-record it. Sorry, guys. Welcome this week. No. Okay. <laughs> Hell no. Very spooky edition. <laughs> All right. We are going to try to figure out what the topic is for next week. Maybe we'll stick on that first date theme. Who knows? I'd love to talk Phantom of the Paradise, but then we'd probably just start singing the songs, and that would be embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome well, if we do that. Maybe not. Yeah. We could just record the whole we'll soundtrack. You forever. All right. Start from the top. <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. If you haven't seen that one, Brian De Palma at oh, his... Oh, my gosh. One of his finest. So good. I love that movie. I love Brian De Palma. Me too. Definitely love Brian De Palma. Yeah. Anyways, hope you had fun. Hope you got some fun October plans and some spooky movies to watch. If you have werewolf recommendations for us... Yeah, please send us an email. We are at at gmail.com. And also send us a message on Twitter. We're at perfdamage. You could check our letterbox perp damage, but it's uh, not really updated. Hey, I will update it. I promise. Check it out. Leave some comments. Say, hey. Why don't you update this? Why don't you update this? Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> You'll be just logging in as a bunch of different people. Yeah, anonymously. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again for joining us here on Perf Damage. Make it a Josh Rubin double feature. Josh Rubin double feature. Josh Rubin.